Greetings, come on in. Now you look real familiar. You've been in here before, haven't you? Well, welcome back. <laughs> I see where your eyes went straight towards. Beautiful, ain't it? They say this sword was used in ritualistic sacrifices at the hands of a twisted cult. Make a cut into this one called The People of Monk Castle. Welcome to the Antiquarium of Sinister Happenings and Odd Goings On. There was a place in Montclair where the most terrible of things occurred. Things too painful to be real and too unreal to be painful. On the border of Verona, a textile. 911, what is your emergency? Yeah, hi. Um, this is going to sound kind of strange, but there's a man stumbling around in circles in my front yard. Yeah, he looks sick or, or lost or drunk or something. I just, I, I woke up to get a glass of water and I heard snow crunching around underneath my front window, so I peeked out. I'm, I'm looking right at him now. He's about 10 yards away from me. Something's not right. What is your address, ma'am? 1617 Quarry Lane in Pinella Pass. I'm going to send a squad car your way, but that's quite a ways out. Are you alone in your house? Yes, I'm alone. Can you confirm that all of your doors and windows are locked? I know that my front door is definitely locked, but I'll go check my back door again real quick. Stay on the phone with me. I appreciate your help, by the way. I know this is kind of strange, but I really hope that... Ma'am, are you um, still there? He's, he's, he's still in the yard, but... What the fuck? He's upside down. Ma'am, stay on with me. What is happening? He's staring right at me, but he's... He's standing on his hands now. He's perfectly still staring straight at me. So he's doing a, a handstand and he's smiling he's, at me and not moving. He's doing a handstand now? I don't know how he... Yeah, he's he's facing me and he's standing on his hands. He's got this huge smile and he's perfectly still. What the fuck? Please, get here. Someone now, please. Ma'am, I need you to remain calm. I've put out the call, and officer's on his way. His teeth are so huge. What the fuck? Please, help me. Ma'am, I, I want you to try and keep an eye on him, but make sure your back door is locked again. We need to make sure all possible access points are secured. Can you talk me through and confirm that your back door is okay. locked? Okay. Okay, I'm walking backwards now, and I'm keeping him in my sight. Okay, yeah. Yeah, my hand is on the back door knob now. It's, it's, it's locked. I need to check the deadbolt, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take my eyes off him for a split second. All right, ma'am, help is on the way. Just stay on the phone with me. Everything's gonna be all right. Ma'am, ma'am, are you still there? His, his face is up against the glass. I need you 
need you to speak up. What is happening? I looked away for a split second, and now his face is pressed up against my front window. His teeth are huge, and he's still smiling. There's, there's no color in his eyes. Jesus, please help me. Why won't I just fucking move? Ma'am, I need you to go to the nearest room and lock yourself inside of it. Do you have a basement or a bedroom that you can lock yourself in? He won't stop staring at me. He's going to hurt me. Lock yourself somewhere safe until the officer arrives at your house. Can you hear me? Yes, I... Okay, okay, yes, yes. I'm going to lock myself in my room. And you're positive that you're alone in the house, correct? Yes, I'm alone in the house. Wait, wait. He's moving. Shaking his head. He's telling me no. He can hear us. He's telling me that I'm not alone. You still there? I heard a loud noise. Is everything all right? Well, there you are. Been looking all over for you. They're still doing that road work out front, tearing up the street. If it carries on for much longer, I'm about set to tear up the public works department at City Hall. Come over here. I want to show you something that was coincidentally torn from the ground as well. It's a bit... morbid. And for those with more discerning tastes like yourself. It's a gravestone from New Vineyard Memorial Cemetery. A terrible place and an unbelievable story. How about you get buried in this one I call Mr. Widemouth? During my childhood, my family was like a drop of water in a vast river, never remaining in one location for long. We settled in Rhode Island when I was eight, and there we remained until I went to college in Colorado Springs. Most of my memories are rooted in Rhode Island, but there are fragments in the attic of my brain which belonged to the various homes we had lived in when I was much younger. Most of these memories are unclear and pointless. Chasing after another boy in the backyard of a house in North Carolina. Hmm, trying to build a raft to float on the creek behind the apartment we rented in Pennsylvania, and so on. There is one set of memories which remains as clear as glass as though they were just made yesterday. I often wonder whether these memories are simply lucid dreams produced by the long sickness I experienced that spring, but in my heart, I know that they're real. We were living in a house just outside the bustling metropolis of New Vineyard, Maine, population 643. It was a large structure, especially for a family of three. There were a number of rooms that I didn't see in the five months we resided there. In some ways, it was a waste of space. But it was the only house on the market at the time, at least within an hour's commute to my father's place of work. The day after my fifth birthday, attended by my parents alone, I came down with a fever. Doctor said I had mononucleosis, which meant no rough play and more fever for at least another three weeks. It was horrible timing to be bedridden. We were in the process of packing our things to move to Pennsylvania, and most of my things were already packed away in boxes, leaving my room barren. 
My mother brought me ginger ale and books several times a day, and these served the function of being my primary form of entertainment for the next few weeks. Boredom always loomed just around the corner, waiting to rear its ugly head and compound my misery. I don't exactly recall how I met Mr. Widemouth. I think it was about a week after I was diagnosed with mono. My first memory of the small creature was asking him if he had a name. He told me to call him Mr. Widemouth because his mouth was large. In fact, everything about him was large in comparison to his body. His head, his eyes, his crooked ears. But his mouth was by far the largest. You look kind of like a Furby. I said as he flipped through one of my books. Mr. Widemouth stopped and gave me a puzzled look. Furby? What's a Furby? He asked. I shrugged. You know, the toy. The little robot with the big ears. You can pet and feed them, almost like a real pet. Oh. Mr. Widemouth resumed his activity. You don't need one of those. They aren't the same as having a real friend. I remember Mr. Widemouth disappearing every time my mother stopped by to check in on me. I lay under your bed, he later explained. I don't want your parents to see me, because I'm afraid they won't let us play anymore. We didn't do much during those first few days. Mr. Widemouth just looked at my books, fascinated by the stories and pictures they contained. The third or fourth morning after I met him... He greeted me with a large smile on his face. I have a new game we can play. We have to wait until after your mother comes to check on you. Because she can't see us play it. It's a secret game. After my mother delivered more books and soda at the usual time, Mr. Widemouth slipped out from under the bed and tugged my hand. We have to go to the room at the end of this hallway. I objected at first as my parents had forbidden me to leave my bed without their permission, but Mr. Widemouth persisted until I gave in. The room in question had no furniture or wallpaper. Its only distinguishing feature was a window opposite the doorway. Mr. Widemouth darted across the room and gave the window a firm push, flinging it open. He then beckoned me to look out at the ground below. We were on the second story of the house, but it was on a hill and... From this angle, the drop was farther than two stories due to the incline. I like to play pretend up here, Mr. Widemouth explained. I pretend that there's a big, soft trampoline below this window, and I jump. If you pretend hard enough, you bounce back up like a feather. I want you to try. I was a five-year-old with a fever, so... Only a hint of skepticism darted through my thoughts as I looked down and considered the possibility. It's a long drop. But that's all a part of the fun. It wouldn't be fun if it was only a short drop. If it were that way, you may as well just bounce on a real trampoline. I toyed with the idea, picturing myself falling through the thin air only to bounce back to the window on something unseen by human eyes. But the realist in me prevailed. Maybe some other time, I said. I don't know if I have enough imagination. I can get hurt. Mr. Widemouth's face contorted into a snarl. 
but only for a moment. Anger gave way to disappointment. If you say so. He spent the rest of the day under my bed, quiet as a mouse. I do apologize, but a delivery just arrived here at the shop, and I need to sign for it. Sit tight, and I'll be back quicker than a rat up a drain pipe. Now, that wasn't so bad, was it? Let's glide back into this nightmare, shall we? The following morning, Mr. Widemouth arrived holding a small box. I want to teach you how to juggle. Here are some things you can use to practice before I start giving you lessons. I looked in the box. It was full of knives. My parents will kill me! I shouted, horrified that Mr. Widemouth had brought knives into my room. Objects that my parents would never allow me to touch. I'll be spanked and grounded for a year! Mr. Widemouth frowned. It's fun to juggle with these. I want you to try it. I pushed the box away. I can't. I'll get in trouble. Knives aren't safe to just throw in the air! Mr. Widemouth's frown deepened into a scowl. He took the box of knives and slid under my bed, remaining there the rest of the day. I begin to wonder how often he was under me. I started having trouble sleeping after that. Mr. Widemouth often woke me up at night, saying he put a real trampoline under the window, a big one, one that I couldn't see in the dark. I always declined and tried to go back to sleep, but Mr. Widemouth persisted. Sometimes he stayed by my side until early in the morning, encouraging me to jump. He wasn't so fun to play with anymore. My mother came to me one morning and told me I had her permission to walk around outside. She thought the fresh air would be good for me, especially after being confined to my room for so long. Ecstatic, I put on my sneakers and trotted out to the back porch, yearning for the feeling of sun on my face. Mr. Widemouth was waiting for me. I have something I want you to see. I must have given him a weird look, because he then said, It's safe, I promise. I followed him to the beginning of a deer trail which ran through the woods behind the house. This is an important path. I've had a lot of friends about your age. When they were ready, I took them down this path to a special place. You aren't ready yet, but one day, I hope to take you there. I returned to the house, wondering what kind of place lay beyond that trail. Two weeks after I met Mr. Widemouth, the last load of our things had been packed into a moving truck. I would be in the cab of that truck, sitting next to my father for the long drive to Pennsylvania. I considered telling Mr. Widemouth that I would be leaving, but even at five years old, I was beginning to suspect that perhaps the creature's intentions were not to my benefit, despite what he said otherwise. For this reason, I decided to keep my departure a secret. My father and I were in the truck at 4 a.m. 
He was hoping to make it to Pennsylvania by lunchtime tomorrow with the help of an endless supply of coffee and a six-pack of energy drinks. He seemed more like a man who was about to run a marathon rather than one who was about to spend two days sitting still. Early enough for you? My father asked with a hint of sympathy. I nodded and placed my head against the window, hoping for some sleep before the sun came up. I felt my father's hand on my shoulder. This is the last move, son. I promise. I know it's hard for you, as sick as you've been. Once Daddy gets promoted, we can settle down and you can make friends. I opened my eyes as we backed out of the driveway. I saw Mr. Widemouth's silhouette in my bedroom window. He stood motionless until the truck was about to turn onto the main road. He gave a pitiful little wave goodbye, steak knife in hand. I didn't wave back. Years later, I returned to New Vineyard. The piece of land our house stood upon was empty except for the foundation, as the house burned down a few years after my family left. Out of curiosity, I followed that deer trail that Mr. Widemouth had shown me. Part of me expected him to jump out from behind a tree and scare the living bejesus out of me, but I felt that Mr. Widemouth was gone, somehow tied to that house that no longer existed. The trail ended at the New Vineyard Memorial Cemetery. I noticed that many of the tombstones belonged to children. Thank you for your patronage. Hope you enjoyed your new relic as much as I've enjoyed passing along its sordid history. It does come with our usual warning, however. Absolutely no refunds, no exchanges, and we won't be held liable for anything that may or may not occur while the object is in your possession. Oh, <laughs> You think just because you're only listening to my voice that you have nothing to be concerned about? Let me assure you that your visit to the antiquarium, whether in the flesh or in your mind's eye, is most certainly not in vain. You are, after all, the architect of this place. I must say you've done a hell of a job even the way you have given me a face and carved out the most minute details of my person in that cerebrum of yours is quite impressive indeed. Therefore, the items you procure within these walls, even on a metaphysical level, are very, very real and are now and forever part of your subconscious. All part of our standard bill of sale, really. Till next time, we'll be waiting for you whenever you close your eyes in the space between sleep and dream. During regular business hours, of course, or by appointment, only for you, our best customer. 
Aquarium of Sinister Happenings, Lot 011, Mr. Widemouth, written by Perfect Circle 35, narrated by David Dasmalchen, featuring Jade Shand as the young narrator, Deidre Morton as Mr. Widemouth, Conan Freeman as the father. I'm a 911 operator, written by Higgs Thunder, featuring Scout Taylor Compton as the woman. Conan Freeman as the operator. Stephen Knowles as the antique dealer. Additional music by Coag, Kevin McLeod, Jordy Delmo, Dave DeVille, and Tim Kulig. Engineering production and sound design by Trevor Shand. The Antiquarium of Sinister Happenings is created and curated by Trevor and Lauren Shand. Theme music by the Newton Brothers. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at AntiquariumPod. Call the Antiquarium at 646-481-7197. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 